Welcome to What's Up with Betsy Johnson, the podcast from a longtime Oregon legislator and keen political observer discussing what is right and wrong with government, politics, and public policy. So let's uh, let's talk about elections a little bit in Oregon. We talked about the primary uh, process and the initiative process in our last episode. So in this one, Senator, I want to kind of talk about some of the people that are running. And I'm guessing it's going to get harder and harder for folks to stand up and run because they don't want to. It's hard. I mean, you went through it with the governor thing. That had to be way harder than you ever thought it would be. Oh, God, yes. I mean, I've been on the ballot uh, prior to the gubernatorial run. I'd been on the ballot 16 times, and we had won 16 times. It The biggest uh, race was for a Senate district. I represented Senate District 16 in Oregon, which is functionally that corner of Northwest Oregon. It was comprised of several counties, 140,000 roughly people, and the major cities all an hour and a half drive away from each other. Uh, it represented coastal Oregon, a lot of natural resource economies, and a lot of working class Oregonians that derive their living from natural resources, fishing, logging, farming, grazing, dairy, those sorts of things, raising uh, beef cattle, those sorts of, of activities. And, uh, and I hope I said fishing. Um, and so, uh, those were those were competitive races. I always maintained that if a candidate wasn't running like they had the devil behind them, they weren't working at it hard enough. Um, I mean, this is the first time in 21 years that I haven't been in a whole slug of parades. Uh, the June Dairy Parade, Regatta Parade, Fourth of July parades. My personal best on a Fourth of July was four parades in one day. Um, we threw out something in the area of 25,000 pieces of candy in a parade season. And so um, they were competitive, but they were by and large um, friendly. When one propels oneself onto a bigger stage, it is amazing the stuff that gets made up and um, uh, the press, frankly, kind of lazy coverage. Um, it, it was a whole different deal. And then the, the sniping and the bitching on social media, uh, it, it frankly took me by surprise. And I shouldn't have been so naive. This isn't my first rodeo. I've been around this for a long time. But boy, was it uh, different than a traditional senatorial race. What's going to be interesting in Oregon is that we picked up an extra congressional seat. The, every state has two senators, and then the congressional seats are apportioned based on population. Oregon had grown enough in population that we went from five congressional seats to six. And the boundaries of those congressional districts changed rather dramatically. One of them that's going to be a particularly competitive seat uh, actually goes over the Cascade Mountains and speaks to something that we've talked about in previous segments of the program, where the character of uh, the folks on one side of the Cascade Range is different than the, than the community values on the other side. Um, although in places like Bend, which is a very quickly growing affluent community in the central part of the state, I was actually born in Bend, um, that community had been pretty reliably Republican for a long time and is now becoming much more reliably Democrat. But be that as it may, because we had first timers elected in these congressional seats, 
um, those will be considered at the national level very, very competitive. And already people are piling in to run. And folks that we were expecting, and some of us expecting to run either for their legislative seat again, are now poking around running for Congress. Um, in some cases, uh, if a member of the House of Representatives is going to leave the legislature to run for a different office because they only have two-year terms, they're either up or out. In the Senate, because there are four-year terms in Oregon, a senator could actually run for a different office and still return to the Senate. But the walkout has added a different level of complication to our electoral landscape by virtue of the fact that um, the, the, the Republican senators in the Oregon Senate will be challenged about whether or not they can actually run for election again, given their 10 unexcused absences. And put aside the fact that the unexcused absences were manipulated. I don't have firsthand knowledge of this, but I've been told by a very reliable source that some people, for example, asked for Sunday off when they were scheduling weekend sessions so that they could attend religious services and were told originally that it was an excused absence and then retroactively it was turned to a um, to a non-excused absence. So these senators racked up unexcused absences and now um, they, uh, uh, the, 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 the simplest explanation is that 10 Republican senators who exceeded the constitutional limits for unexcused absences cannot serve uh, in the next term after this one that uh, will have a very disruptive, if the courts uphold that, a very disruptive effect on the um, GOP because they will have to go out and recruit new candidates for those seats. Now, for some of those senators, they were in their first term, which means they won't run again for three years. And an awful lot can happen in that intervening three years, including the courts opining that they are eligible to run again. But um, I mean, just this morning, I got a text from a friend of mine because the woman that took my position uh, was one of the legislators that walked out. And they said, if she doesn't run again, will you run for your old seat? Well, a lot of stuff can happen in three years, but uh, uh, it's it's going to muddle our political landscape um, rather dramatically. Uh, then we have a Secretary of State's race because our Secretary of State, our former one, uh, the most recent left in disgrace, and the governor, Governor Kotek, had the option to um, uh, to appoint somebody, and she did. She appointed a former auditor, and so that seat will be uh, up for grabs. And um, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how some of these people position themselves as they're either at recruiting new candidates or questioning whether or not previous seated legislators will be allowed to run again. Who will voluntarily not run? Will there be appointments to fill those seats? Those are the kind of things when people have asked me, what am I doing now that I am out of the legislature and was the un an unsuccessful candidate for governor? I'm going to stay very engaged in the public square. First of all, there need to be good candidates recruited and then helped and, and help raise money for them. There are all sorts of what I consider civic issues like homelessness and the drug proliferation, the need to try to get more shelter built, 
the need to try to harmonize our desire for more housing and our archaic land use rules, the regulatory morass that Oregon is. It's so difficult to get a permit in Oregon to build much of anything. And I'm helping a couple of companies try to work their way through the regulatory uh, labyrinth. And so for a guy like me that has spent an awful lot of my life in the public square, I'm gonna continue to be there. Uh, one of the things that you didn't mention in my sort of biography was that I, uh, I flew for and operated a commercial helicopter company for 20 years which took me all over the state in ways that some other um, Oregonians haven't had the opportunity to do. So I know the geography and sort of the zeitgeist of the state pretty well. I then served 20 years in the legislature. Uh, a lot of what we did in the helicopter business was in the public square. We were the prime contractor to the US Geological Survey on Mount St. Helens. I flew the day of the eruption. Our whole company fleet was out flying. And so I've been involved in the public life of Oregon for a long time. And as long as my health is good and it's very good, and as long as my stamina is there and it's rock solid, I'm gonna continue to be a commentator and a participant in the civic life of a state that I love and a state that has been very good to my family and me. And I hope that I can make, uh, outside of the legislative process, continue to make a, uh, a, a positive and concrete difference for a, a place that I love and want to try to help. Thanks for listening to What's Up with Betsy Johnson. If you have comments or questions about this podcast, please email questions, Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S, at BetsyJohnson.com.